Welcome to Nature's Edge. My name is Dale Stewart. Many of you know that I am not only an explorer but also a naturalist and conservationist who has spent a great deal of my adult life working to preserve wise use of our natural world. I've done this by understanding often remote field surveys on foot, by air, and in boats. And the field data that I collect uh, provides critical baseline information about wildlife populations, streams, rivers, and wetlands. Much of my time is also devoted to training and educating others about our amazing natural world. Yes, and like my guest today, I'm proud to be called a conservationist. Please welcome Tracy Davids. Did I say that right? You did. I thought Good I job. did. Yeah, you know, being from Louisiana, we pronounce that David. But uh, so Tracy Davids <laughs> to Nature's Edge. Uh, Tracy is the former executive director of Wild South, She's a, uh, which is a regional nonprofit organization that inspires people uh, to enjoy, value, and protect wild places and wild things in the South. She's a graduate of Suffolk University Law School. She's a lawyer, folks. <laughs> Tracy has been an ardent advocate for the permanent protection of our federal public lands, endangered species, and ecological footprint reduction for nearly two decades. After leaving Wild South in 2013, Tracy started her own business to coach, mentor, and help nonprofit leaders build stronger organizations. Tracy has also been known to practice law, teach fitness classes, and serve as a volunteer board member for local, regional, and national conservation organizations in the U.S. Tracy, welcome to Nature's Edge. Thank you, Dale. It's good we're to gonna you. we're gonna jump right into this, uh, uh, Tracy. We, since uh, you seem to know a little about conservation, and and I have opinions on conservation, this is going to be a great uh, a great show. Looking forward uh, to it. You bet. So, what does conservation mm-hmm. mean to you, or or how do you define it? For me, it's just simply saving. Um, conservation to me means saving. It's being um, conservative with resources, uh, it, and it could be anything. I mean, it's something that I practice on a daily basis in my own life, just conserving energy, conserving water, conserving really everything. Um, so to me, it's just it's about saving. And, and as it relates to our natural world and everything else and all of that relates to that. Have you seen a, much of a change? I know you've been doing this for quite a while now. Um, not that you're old or anything. <laughs> is, is there, I mean, have you seen a lot of changes in sort of how uh, conservation efforts are carried on today as, as they were uh, many, 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 many years ago when you started? Um Certainly the technology and the tools are changing very rapidly, and in many ways that helps conservation efforts greatly um, in terms of organizing and mobilizing communities to act on behalf of conservation. It has certainly made it easier. It's been easier to do modeling for different areas uh, for conservation protection. Um, It's actually changed quite a bit, but I think you know, some of the um, fundamental things have not changed. The way you go about um, educating people, creating awareness. Um, Conservation really has at its core um, an element of acknowledgement that um, something needs to be saved 
and um, that if you don't save it, there are some consequences mm. and sometimes dire consequences. Yeah. That really is at the heart of conservation for me. So um, the way that we get uh, people in communities to do those things really hasn't changed um, just in terms of educating people, moving them to action. But certainly technology is allowing you to do that and reach a broader spectrum. I mean, whether it's a social mm-hmm. media or something from the Internet or anything else, it, it sort of brings it home. I mean, I know one of the things for me, uh, you can actually go to most of the major zoos in this, this part of the world and and, uh, and and go on the Internet and actually, you know, visit the zoos and see the animals. I mean, I don't think it it uh, is near as good as doing it in person, but certainly it, it does bring it home. Mm-hmm. And that's technology. Sure. It's a lot of us do that. Right. And, and how you communicate uh with with the uh, other conservation groups, with your own volunteers, with your own people, certainly I can see where technology has really changed that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and do you think that uh, that most of the conservation groups out there, most of the NGOs, are 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 doing this? Um, um, are using the technology to to address these issues better? I do, um, and I think they're working together more collaboratively, too, than ever in the past. Um, you know, linking organizations through, you know, websites, um, uh, yeah, reaching out to, you know, your membership as an organization and then being able to engage your partners, people who are doing different things within um, the purview of your work, you know, getting using their networks to help spread the word. So, so you, you're really getting more of a unified uh, uh, action plan, I guess, or effort throughout the community of conservation mm-hmm. as a result of uh, being able to use this this technology that's that's out there. Um, right, and I think visuals are really important. Um, you know, you mentioned the internet, and yeah. there are some people who will never step foot into the forest. It's just not their Shame thing. Shame on them. Right. We know the benefits, yeah, right? It's absolutely. incredible. But they have an appreciation for it. Maybe it's the beauty of a picture that they see that's broadcast on the web or through someone's network um, that is inspiring and might, um, you know, ignite a spark in their head that um, prompts them to do something to protect an area. And and again, I think that's I think that's the magic, if you will, of social media. And I and I know even the smaller conservation uh, groups seem to understand that and use it more and more and more uh, to educate mm-hmm. and to, and to train uh, and to get people thinking a, a certain a certain way or a certain. Uh, mindset, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like TV, you know. Yeah. We we all have the ability now through our Facebook pages and YouTube to be our own TV stations, you know. So we're broadcasting constantly, and people like to sit in front of the TV. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, so you try to reach people where they are. Yeah, or the radio, Tracy. Or the radio, exactly. <laughs> That's my medium. I love it. Yeah, good. Well, thank you for... Uh, for, for mentioning radio uh, at, at that moment. The, the, <laughs> I'm having a tough time today, folks. I don't know why, but we'll get through it. And uh, uh, it may be because I'm in here with two ladies who are uh, uh, kind of controlling my world. And uh, <clears throat> but, but what's new? Um, 
Tracy, uh, we've got about a minute here. Could you just discuss a little bit, because I get asked this every once in a while, what is a conservation action plan? Ah, okay. Well, we were talking about tools. Um, I think a conservation action plan really is a tool for um, protecting, saving an area, a place, a species. Um, it is um, designed to uh, bring forth what the problem is, um, why it's a problem, what the strategy is for addressing the problem, what the action steps are um, to implement that strategy, and then how are you going to measure your success. Yeah. So it really is It's a format. Um, and actually, the Nature Conservancy um, has done a really good job with conservation action plans, um, and they have a 10-step process for developing one. Yeah, they do. If you go yeah. to their website... Um, you can find some really good information about that, but it's a it's a tool essentially for conserving places or wildlife, like a template. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so that gives you direction. Mm-hmm. It's a format. Um, it helps you because really, it's not a plan unless it's on paper. So um, you know, you it's a way to get your strategy, action plan, and um, measurements on paper um, so that the group um, who's going to use the action plan to get a result are all on the same page. Um, we yeah. are uh, we're cutting Tracy off there, and you're listening to <laughs> Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, and we shall return. that song, Leslie. Let it play. I love that music. Um, welcome back to Nature's Edge. My name is Dale Stewart, and my guest today is Miss Tracy Davids, and Tracy is, uh, she spent what, 15 years, Tracy, is executive director of Wild South? That's correct. And uh, now she has uh, turned her, her skill set to uh, consulting, I guess, with other conservation groups or just or, or nonprofits in general. Nonprofits in general. And, and, uh, and, and bringing them over to her side of the way she thinks about things, I think. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Um, and we're talking about conservation today, and primarily uh, uh, wildlife conservation. And, and uh, uh, Tracy, what do you really see as the biggest threat to conservation today? Mm. Is it ignorance? Is it? Well, I think that's part of it. Part of it's ignorance. Part of it is apathy. Um, but I think we need to look at our numbers. I think we need to look at the human population, just the sheer number of people on the planet, and also our rates of consumption. I think those are the two root problems that contribute to everything from climate change to uh, habitat destruction, habitat destruction <clears throat> um, 
you know, overdevelopment, oh, yeah. um, things like that. I mean, those are really... Yeah, yeah. I mean, are, even the illegal wildlife trade and illegal harvesting of ginseng and other things. I mean, that, that all fits into that uh, demand, I guess. Exactly. I mean, you know, logging trees isn't of it, in and of itself a bad thing. Using coal is not in and of itself a bad thing. Um but when you do it at the scale that we're doing it to satisfy the demand of 7 billion people or more, it's just not sustainable forever on a finite planet. It just isn't. So I think those are some of the biggest challenges, and not a lot of people are talking about them. Do you think that's because people really, at the end of the day, it's not at the top of their list of, of things that are important to them? That's correct. I don't think it's – there's not a sense of urgency yeah. about it. I don't think we really think about it. I think most most people don't even even consider that, um, that, that it's an issue. I think, it, I think it's one of the reasons why people, for instance, don't take just minimal steps to prepare for, for – uh, uh, natural disasters. Uh, you know, we're in hurricane season, and mm-hmm. there are things that you need to know and sort of have available to you. Um, people don't seem to to deal with things. I think until it hits them in the face. That's right. And and I think yeah. And and those of us that are in the conservation uh, world that are out there in nature and that are out there seeing these things and talking about it. Uh, Again, sometimes I think I'm talking on on deaf ears when I'm talking to people, uh, mm-hmm. uh, especially people that haven't spent a lot of time in the outdoor world or haven't experienced or haven't seen things that that are changing. So, so I agree. I think it's apathy on a lot of people uh, that that just don't get it. <clears throat> but again, that comes back to sort of where the the technology I think it is is a tool that we can use better to educate these people and too. But at the end of the day. We got to get them back out into nature, uh, so they can so they can see these things and do these things. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, you know some of the the causes that we're doing the you know such as climate change and such as habitat destruction and and sort of tying those directly back uh, uh, to people, uh, and that uh, that brings up something that uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, and about something that I believe and I believe. Uh, a lot of the conservation scientists have forgotten a basic tenet uh, of our field that conservation is fundamentally about people. And uh, most seem to be more focused on the effect of of the climate change and of the habitat destruction and everything else rather than from a people side. Can you give me an example? Um, well, yeah. We, we are spending so much of our time right now trying to solve problems with with a polar bear, for instance, because of climate change, so so our our effort is is more toward how do we save that animal. The way that we're going to save that animal is by looking at what that impact is going to actually have on the people that are living in that same environment. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I, mean, I do. Right. Yeah. We need to connect people with the polar bear. Yeah, in 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 a, in a way that, but in a way that is meaningful and understanding to them. Correct. Just just showing a polar bear on TV on a small iceberg is not going to get the average person's attention too much, uh, I think. And 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 also, 
as we do conservation, as as we go out there and and do these action plans like you were talking about, again, we're looking at how that impacts the animals or the trees or this, that, and the other. Uh, but at the end of the day, how we do that and looking at it from the human standpoint, I think that's where the real effort is going to be. Uh, how is that going to Because only when you get personal are people going to listen to you. And again, seeing the polar bear on the iceberg, I don't think totally gets it. Uh, but how the people that, that the decisions and the action plans that we make, how it's going to infect the people themselves, uh, then that begins to get the message across. Mm. I think it's one of the biggest challenges we face as conservationists. Oh, oh there's, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, it, it almost seems like it's, it's a mixed myths, uh, direction uh, of, of conservation science uh, when it comes to things like climate change. And, and it's really due to a lack of, of data or lack of time to under undertake relevant research. It's more basic than that. It, you know, we again, I think we've been asking the wrong questions. Uh, uh, rather than what can we do to do this, we we need to look at at the big picture. I think mm-hmm. how does it impact? Because certainly we as people are part of of that biosystem. That's right, and I think that's why conservation biology is so important. Um, and that would actually be a great topic for one of your shows is conservation biology. Oh, absolutely! No, I, mean, I agree with we, that. We could spend hours talking about that, but that brings it all together. Um, multidisciplinary approach to protecting biological diversity. Yeah, it, it's you know I, th- I think again if and if we're talking about climate change and I'm not just on the climate change today, but again any any of the things we talked about habitat destruction, the illegal wildlife trade, uh, uh, etc. Uh, if we understand how humans are going to be affected uh, by climate change. Uh, and what this impact will be on the, uh, those species is is far more Im- important. You sort of understand what I'm saying. I mean, the I do. I think it's uh, uh, really a matter of right. It's a strategy um, to changing minds and instilling behavior change. Really, um, most people <laughs> care about themselves, correct, uh, or their immediate family. Um, they're, you know, the next 20 years. Um, they're not looking at the bigger picture. Um, so to the extent that conservationists can um, communicate that relevance to people, the easier it will be for them to change their mind and actually do something yeah, about yeah. it. Well, as, as you um, mentioned, I mean, the... the there's eight billion of us out out here on this planet now, and and we are the the, the dominant species on this planet. Um, uh, I think insects might. Well, be, but I, I'm not talking about numbers. I, I, I see. <laughs> but but you're right. Insects are the <laughs> at that thing. But we're, but we're the dominant species as it relates to how we react to change, and and uh, and that has a, a trickle down effect. How how man reacts to things has a triple-down effect to the other species, including the insects and the polar bears and, and the plants and, the, and, and other things there. Um, we're talking with Tracy Davies uh, about conservation and uh, uh, what it means and, and how we're going to deal with it as a, as a human species, and you're listening to Nature's Edge, and we'll be back after this short message. I see the moon rising. 
I'm supposed to talk now. I was listening to the music, Leslie. I, I don't know why she does that to me, but uh, she does. And I think she does it. She's jealous of of uh, of my rapid growth in radio, and she and she's and and so she's doing things to sabotage the show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Okay. This is Dale Stewart. This is Nature's Edge, and um, and. And Leslie, remember Dale Stewart. My name is in the name of the show. Anyway, back to back to Tracy Davids. Tracy is is uh, not only a, a, a conservationist and and fifteen year executive director of Wild South. She's also a friend, and uh, and we're actually having a discussion about things that we talk about uh, occasionally uh, when, when we're sitting around uh, having a cold beer and. Uh, one of the other things is we're talking about the impact of of, of human adaption on conservation and and, uh, uh, and and how some of that uh in my mind uh, reflects and 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 we were just talking off air uh, uh Tracy a little bit about like New Orleans and and the hurricanes and the storms that we have uh but people have short term memory you know they they forget about uh what happens to them, and so it does an impact. And so we're kind of looking and having a discussion on on how we can better uh, maybe educate or or better inform the public about conservation as it relates to wildlife or as it relates to to timber timber harvest. Um, I can't even talk anymore. Um, so all of those things are are so critical and. Uh, um, and we we can target conservation resources uh, preemptively to meet uh, uh, our more effective and efficient uh, conservation efforts. I think again, as long as we sort of put man back into the formula. Talk to me, Tracy. Mm. <laughs> Not too many men. Uh, <laughs> no. Here um, we go. Well, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I'm thinking back to that old. Uh, public service announcement or commercial in the 70s with the crying Indian and the the message was people start pollution, people can stop it. Yeah. Well, we're obviously part of the problem and the solution. Mm-hmm. So we need to be involved. Um, we need to understand um, how we are having an impact. <laughs> I just put my fist on the table and made a sound. Um we need to understand how our behavior is changing the world around us in a not-so-positive way um, and that um, we need to change our behavior in order to protect it because it's related to our own survival. Maybe not our immediate lives, but our children and our grandchildren and the generations down the road. Yeah, and and again, I just I think it has to do with our own selfish mind. And it, it, as we were talking off air a little bit, I mean, uh, I, I spoke not long ago down in Atlanta, and I was talking about the plight of the polar bears and some other things, and and literally had some people come up afterward and say, Dale, why should I really have concern about polar bears? Uh, who live, you know, three, four, five thousand miles away from me? Um, you know, how does that impact my world? Mm-hmm. I like to tell people that's just one story. That's correct. That's just one symptom of a much bigger problem. 
Yeah, and it is. And, 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 and we were talking about it a little bit earlier. I think it's an education thing, and, and sometimes I think we get caught up in telling people, don't do this without really giving them uh, uh, the options or, or without telling them, okay, you don't do this, but here's what you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I know a lot, of, a lot of times we will just, uh, uh, for instance, some conservation groups and some groups are very in your face when it comes to dealing with the corporate world. Uh, you know, with with protesting and with the signs and other thing else, without really taking the time to sit down and and sort of put on the corporate hat and try to in some way look at what they're uh, how they perceive this or how they think about that. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think about um, I think about the activist toolbox. Yeah. actually, and there are lots of tools in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. One of them might be protest, civil disobedience, sure. direct action. Um, one might be um, negotiating with companies. Uh, one might be lawsuits and litigations. I think they're all important tools, and you use the right tool for the job. Yep. Um, and so I think it's important that all the tools in the toolbox, you know, work together. Yeah. towards some common goals and um, respect the star- strategies of the other because it's going to take every tool in the toolbox to, um, you know, protect our environment. Yeah, and, and, and you know, one of the other things that I, I have, and I hear this oftentimes when I'm speaking or everything else, is there seems to also be a, a, uh, a, a PR uh, problem sometimes with some of the conservation groups because it, it seems like, and you've heard the name tree huggers. You've heard mm-hmm. the you know the echo terrorist uh, that that whole mindset. Um, and there are a lot of people out there that believe all of us that work in conservation, and certainly those that that, that are in it daily, are are more interested in the well-being of the snail daughter than they are in in human development. What do you think? Well, I think some of us do believe that the snail darter is no more important to this planet than we are. Mm-hmm. I think there's some of us who do believe that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think we're all equal. Um, you, are you comparing the human as being equal to the snail darter? Perhaps. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, and I'm, not to, I'm not disagreeing with that because as, as someone who teaches wilderness survival, uh, by the way, the snail darter uh, uh, is a pretty good food source, and I didn't really say that uh, <laughs> uh, to anyone out there uh, in, in particular. Um, we, we're, we've got just a couple of minutes here, Tracy, and I want to switch over a little bit, and I want to talk about and define for people uh, uh, a couple of words, biodiversity and, and uh, ecosystems. A lot of people, I think, don't understand uh, what biodiversity means, uh, uh, and uh, uh, in about uh, the two minutes we have here, could you sort of define biodiversity for our, for our listeners? Sure. Um, biodiversity is simply the diversity of life on the planet. Variety. The variety of life. Uh, and that and that includes and and when you talk about life, you're talking about plant and animal. Plant and, and, and animal. I'm talking about one-celled animals, multi-celled animals, uh, plants. Mm-hmm. And and also it it sort of relates to 
how they relate to the environment that they're in a little bit. Uh, I, I know we're going to kind of move into the, the, the ecosystem thing here, but, but for instance, uh, the species that inhabit the Appalachian Mountains are different uh, uh, and have different characteristics and needs from those that, that say, live in, the, in a desert area. Even though some of the same species may be found in both, they still have different, uh, different needs and different wants, and that, to me, is sort of what biodiversity is all about. Mm-hmm. Would that... Well, I think um, you mentioned ecosystems, yeah. and I think uh, that's more of an ecosystem. Mm. Um, you have a desert ecosystem, you've got a coastal ecosystem, mountain ecosystem. So within those ecosystems, you have biodiversity, ah, a variety yeah. of life that, you know, and um, everything fits together. Everything is linked. It's like the Internet. Yeah, well, and it, and it is. It really is. And I, and I think... Sometimes people don't understand that, but but if you get out into nature and you walk through it and you listen to it and you use all your senses when you're out there, I think then you'll begin to understand what biodiversity means a little better and and, and what what an ecosystem is and how we are all connected and and related out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think if you just go into a natural setting, and it could be anywhere, it could be your own backyard. Oh, absolutely. And you just sit there. Just sit for 15 minutes and observe what is going on. You'll see the birds, uh, you know, drinking the water in the puddle. You'll see the bees pollinating the flowers or your squash. Um, You'll see how everything interacts with everything else and how they're all connected. Yeah, Um, and and it's so sad that more people don't do that. This is Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, and we shall return. This is Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, and we're talking to Miss Tracy Davids today. Tracy is a conservationist and uh, uh, was with uh, Wild South for some 15 years as their executive director, has now sort of stepped out of that role and, and is now uh, working as a, as a consultant with, uh, with different businesses uh, around the area. And Tracy, we were talking about uh, biodiversity and ecosystems and, and um, maybe you could explain to people a little bit more why why research uh, in these areas and 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 conservation research is important to all mm-hmm. of us. Well, knowledge is power. Yep. So the more we know, um, the more we understand the world around us, um, the better we're going to be because um, you know we. Well, let's just face it. I mean, we are on a we're on a finite planet, um, and um, we need to conserve it in order to continue life as we know it and love it. And um, the more information that we have about biodiversity and conservation, the more that um, you know, the better that we can protect it save it 
um, and it really, for a lot of us, I mean, I care about the snail darter. I care about the slime mold. I care about all these wonderful species with whom we share this planet. But, you know, it does come down to my own survival, too. And I'm just, I'm not going to deny it. Um, So there is a benefit to me as a human being to have this knowledge um, and be able to protect the world around us. Oh yeah, and I and I and I agree with that. And you, you know, it this has sort of been my life for a long time too. It just uh, uh, I'm going to ask you a, a what I think is a difficult question. And I I certainly don't have an answer for it, but uh, maybe you do. These these considerations that that we've been talking about, from biodiversity to ecosystem to to overall conservation, is there a way to integrate that into economic policy? Absolutely. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to remember the there's a title of an article that is uh, I think it's called Ooh, um, what price biodiversity? Um, you could Google it, find it online somewhere. Um, but it talks about just that uh, ways that we can integrate um, biodiversity protection with. Um, the economy. Um, there are all, I mean, there are, my goodness, tax incentives that you can give people Absolutely. to um, save a particularly biodiverse uh, parcel of their property, maybe give a tax in- incentive for setting up a conservation easement. Um, you know, there's, there are, there are lots of ways to, and, uh, and, and I think sometimes, yeah, and sometimes we do a good job at, at, at Talking about that and selling that, but but uh, uh, as we were talking about earlier, it, it is a broad issue and it has so many different uh, uh, roots, if you will, coming out from it, and so many different uh, mindsets of people that that, that were, were were talking to about that. I know not long ago I w- I spoke to a group of uh, of city planners and land planners, and one of the things that was interesting is is um, they were showing this plat that the speaker had before, and he was pretty much just coming in there and taking out everything so he could get the most square footage on that on that plat. And I stood up afterward, and in my talk was talking about and and uh, how by leaving some of the green in the beginning, how leaving certain things that the value uh, per square foot of that of that real estate could actually increase and from an economic standpoint uh, be as value and I always use I always tell people what is the most expensive real estate in New York City it's Central Park Central Park it looks out over green and I and I had some young uh, uh, people come up and said you know in college they never really talked to us about that too mm-hmm. much we're sort of taught to go in and maximize the square footage that we put up there and then hire landscape architects to come back in and sort of create what was already there uh, uh, beforehand. And mm-hmm. uh, so it, it was interesting to, to sort of get that different perspective and, and uh, to put that, that different perspective mm-hmm. on there. I can offer another example of a, a good economic incentive to protect biodiversity. I <clears throat> Right now the... Um, National forests, as we know, are logged um, yes. for timber, and um, 
it's actually the uh, some of the timber sale receipts go to the rural counties in the area where the national forests exist to pay for schools and roads. So you've got logging of the national forest tied with funding schools and roads. Yeah. So the argument is, well, we need to log this forest to pay for schools and roads. Um, I think that's a false choice. Perhaps a better way would be to, um, you know, how do we how do we pay to keep the forest standing and also provide money to the schools and roads? Yeah. So maybe one way to do that is find companies who are interested in carbon sequestration, have them pay the same amount of money that a company would pay to log the forest, pay it, um, and then be able to use that money to fund the schools and the roads. So you're paying to keep the forest standing rather than to destroy it, destroy the environment. um, And and I think that's a very strong message that that people would buy Mm -hmm. into if it was presented in that way to them. The public land benefits, the rural counties benefit, and the company that's getting the carbon offset benefits. So... Just quickly, I do have one one question I, I want to ask you. Uh, we talk about protected areas and 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 managing protected areas and everything else. And and uh, how does a protected area affect conservation beyond the boundaries of of that protected area? Mm. Understand the question. I do, and it's an interesting one. Um, I think there is value to protecting areas, um, national parks or, uh, you know, things of that nature, bioreserves. Um, there's certainly a, uh, some short-term benefits to doing that, but I think it does have some negative effects on surrounding private land. Mm-hmm. Um, for one thing, I mean, take the Pisgah National Forest as one example protected land. Um, It's desirable to be near, to have your property near if you're going to develop develop it for vacation homes or whatnot. So you'll see an explosion of development right around public lands um, because, you know, it is a protected area. Um, So you're actually encouraging development Without a buffer zone, you're yeah. actually encouraging some development. Um, people also think that, well, this area is protected, so we can go ahead and do whatever we want with this land and degrade it. Um, you know, with the National Forest System, I mentioned the logging project. Um, because the timber sale program is subsidized by the government, um, it is actually um, uh, causing more uh, clear-cutting in surrounding areas because private landowners can't compete with the cut-rate price of public land timber. So they're having to clear-cut their area in order to compete with the prices that public land. So, you know, those, those are some... But Tracy, I, I mean, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, you've been listening to Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, and until next time, I will see you in the wild. Woo-hoo.